Welcome to the TPC Podcast. Thanks for listening. The Pentecostal Church is located at 3700 Kelly Highway in Fort Smith, Arkansas. With roots anchored firmly right here in the Arkansas River Valley, it continues to be a beacon of hope in a hopeless world and a hospital for hurting souls. TPC is a place where you can call home and fulfill your calling in the kingdom of God. Join us for this incredible word from the Lord today. I'll put your hands together and lift your voice with it and give the Lord a little praise in the house of God. good in the house of the Lord today. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, possibilities are endless. Impossible things suddenly become possible. Things you didn't have the courage to believe far before, you suddenly start believing for them. Because the Lord helps you. When the Lord loans you what he believes about himself for a little while, you start believing for the extraordinary. And I'm glad to be in the house of God where extraordinary things occur. I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes today. I won't be a long time. It's our privilege to be here. And My pastor, growing up, used to just have all kind of folk come by and preach for us. We didn't ever quite know what we were going to get. But when we heard Brother Solomon was coming, oh, we all set up straighter, got excited. We knew he was going to have a good Sunday. And so uh, I've been following your pastor around, listening to him preach for a lot of years, and he's one of the best. Don't you believe that? Sister Solomon's always so kind with a big smile. And I think it's her birthday today, isn't that right? Happy birthday to the first lady. I give honor to all the ministry that's in the house of the Lord today. Your leadership is extraordinary, second to none. My theory about church is a simple one because I'm a simple man. That simple thought about church is this. It don't have to be long to be good. So I won't be here a long time today. I'm grateful to be in the house of the Lord. We're going to pray together before I preach. For some folk, praying before a sermon is just a little time killer. It gives them a little moment to grab a drink of water and get their notes all positioned. But for me, it's much more than that. It's a moment where we decide that we're going to work together. I'm going to pull a little bit, and you're going to push. And I'm going to push a little bit, and you're going to pull. The Bible calls that unity. And anywhere you find unity, you find the supernatural, an easy byproduct. So we're going to pray together. And here's what I want us to ask the Lord. Father, 
would you help me fulfill the plan that you have for this service? Could we lift our voice and pray together? Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the blessings of God, the peace of God, and the power of God. Help me to help accomplish every plan that you had for this service. Let everything be done according to your will. And we'll give you praise, honor, and glory. Somebody shout in Jesus' name. Turn around and say to your neighbor, looks like you lost a few pounds. your guest here today, I want to take my moment to welcome you to those who are joining us online or who will watch this from the archive later. I welcome you as well. Glad you're all in the house of the Lord. By the time you knew what to call it, you were neck deep in it. You had walked and talked, smelled crayons and swung bats. Giggled your way out of diapers and charged into childhood. You'd noticed how guys aren't gals and dogs aren't cats and pizza always beats spinach. And then somewhere in the midst of it all, it hit you. Maybe it was at your grandpa's funeral, perhaps. Or maybe when you waved goodbye to your big brother as he left for the Marines, you realize that these days are more. They're more than ice cream and homework and pimples. This is called life, and this one is yours. Complete with summers and songs and gray skies and tears, you have a life. You didn't request one, but you have one. A first day? and a final day, and a few thousand in between. You've been given your life. No one else has your version. Your life will never be lived by anyone else. You're not a jacket in an attic that can be recycled after you're gone. You're unique. You have your DNA. You have your experiences. You have your voice. You have your praise. You have your prayer, and they're all yours alone. As soon as one day is lived, here comes another. The past has passed, and the good old days are exactly that, the stuff of rearview mirrors and scrapbooks. Life is racing by, and if you aren't careful, you and I will look up, and our one shot at it will have passed us by. Rest assured, some people don't bother with such thoughts. They grind their way through their days without lifting their life to look. They live and they die and they never ask why. However, most of us aren't like that. We want to do good. We want our lives to matter. We want to live in such a way that the world will be glad we did. We want to make an impact. We want Fort Smith to know. We want our world to know. We want TPC to know. We walk through here with an anointing and our lives and your path has never been the same since. The question then becomes, can God use me? Can God use you? 
Can God use me with all my ragtag past and unbelievable failures? Can God anoint you with your stuff and your troubles and all your doubts? I want to let you know that the resounding answer is yes. A God anointed, a supernatural yes. Bring all your doubts, bring all your pain, bring all your struggle, and throw them at the feet of Jesus, and he will anoint them, and he will use you. The first 120 people he empowered to change the world were an odd crew, bound largely by the fact that they were just ordinary fishermen, a former street walker, a converted revolutionary or two. They had no clout with Caesar and no friends with wealthy influence. Truth be told, they had nothing more than a fire in their belly to change the world and a spirit filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And here you and I stand in the middle of the most broken generation in history, more hurting people, more hungry people, more desperate people than any other time in history. And you wonder... Do I have what it takes to be anointed and make a difference? And I want to encourage you, yes. You don't have to have much at all at your disposal. But if you got a gnawing, hungry, burning fire in your belly that says, God, if you will anoint me, I will yield to it then God will embrace you, wrap anointed hands around you, anoint your words, your thought, and your mind, and before long you'll look back and say, I didn't know I could do it. But with God, all things became possible. Here we are, you and me, the modern-day version of that Jerusalem church, you and me, in our one-of-a-kind lifetimes and once-in-a-history opportunity, you don't need greatness. You don't need extraordinary intellect, talent, or skill. You need hunger. You need passion. You need to know that you're called to be that person that escorts this church into the greatest move of God history has ever recorded. You're that one, not your neighbor, not your cousin, not your friend down the road, not your mom, not your dad, not your grandma, or not your grandpa. You're that one who God has anointed to lead a path of anointed revival in this world. You're that one. There's a few things that we have to do, though, in order to live a life that matters. There's a few things we have to lay down on the table and say, this is what I'll do for the rest of my days so that my life can count. When the roll call of eternity is sounded, when the final trump sounds and this life is no more, for my life to really have mattered, it won't matter much about the money I've accumulated, the houses I've built, the cars I've driven, but i tell you what will matter. How many times have you put your feet in that anointed river and say, God, do something something greater than supernatural. How many times have you laid hands on the sick and they recovered? That's what's going to matter. There's four things you got to do. It won't take me but about seven minutes to get it all said, but there's four things you got to do. Worry less and pray more. Worry less and pray more. It's no secret that sometimes prayer can be a struggle. However, the necessary fuel you need to accomplish your God task can only be gained in prayer. Pray daily. 
If you have trouble praying, find somebody who lives a life of prayer and hang on and listen to them pray and ask for their help. I learned a lot about praying with my back against that cold dryer and my feet propped upon the brown paneling walls of that single wide as my mom and dad talked to God in the back room. They didn't have much influence to give me. They didn't have any wealth to loan me. But in that back room, I heard them talk to God in a supernaturally anointed way. And every now and then, my father, when life was crushing and the pain was intense and the loss was certain, I'd hear him say every now and then, Oh, Holy Ghost! And I remember the Spirit of God that would surge through my young body. And now and then uh, when I find myself in my own moment when my back's against the wall and my head's down uh, and my shoulders are sagging, sometimes the only thing I've got uh, is, oh, Holy Ghost. Uh, and I've never whispered that phrase too often uh, that God didn't come charging to my side uh, and say, I will help you indeed. Worry less and pray more. Somebody shout, oh, Holy Ghost. <laughs> oh, Holy Ghost. When there was limited food in the cupboard, when the refrigerator looked a little bare, when the bills were high and the income was low, oh, Holy Ghost. I learned to pray from friends who prayed like Cliff Turner who I often heard pray this phrase that I incorporate in my prayer life every single day. Lord, awaken the imaginations of my faith so I can dream things that I could not possibly dream on my own. Lord, awaken the eyes of my faith so it can see in front of me that I might pray prayers that you want to answer. I learned to pray from Josh who prayed, Lord, prepare my heart to receive in this service and my soul to give the highest praise humanly possible. I heard him pray those prayers in prayer rooms and I watched him gather around the front of the church and often I would laugh at him when he'd get on his tiptoes and reach to the heavens and his voice would shout like a trumpet and I said to him, Joshua, why are you standing on your tiptoes? He said, I told God uh, to anoint me to give the highest praise humanly possible. And when I walk out of here, I want to know I left everything on the table for God to use. And so I pray, God, uh, would you prepare my heart uh, and help me give the highest praise humanly possible? And then I learned to pray from my old buddy, Ryan Ware who said this, Holy Ghost, let my faith be on the lookout for divine possibility. Send my faith out ahead of me around the next corner and help my faith see the miracle that I don't yet have the faith to believe for. And so every day of my life, I pray, faith, go out in front of me, around the next corner, over the next hill, past the next bend, beyond the next curve in the road. Let faith see what I can see and radio back to my spirit. Glenn, it looks a little better down further down the road. It won't be long till you hold the miracle in your hand. Pray, pray, worry less. And pray more. The second thing to live a life that matters is respond to God quickly, often, and without reservation. Quickly, 
often and without reservation. When God moves on you, move quickly before your flesh can talk you out of your moment. Determine that every day in each church service you will discover a nugget of truth and that you will discern the flow of the Spirit for that day and for that service. Live for God without holding back because I've discovered that 100% buy-in to God yields 150% results on his end. Talk to God, but listen quickly, often, and without reservation. I was preaching in Lexington, Tennessee some years ago. I was just a kid preacher, and I was preaching like I knew to preach, just wide open, loud, and hopefully not long. And, and so I was just preaching as hard as I could preach, and I, I was walking down the middle aisle, and I remember when I did it, I whirled around. I didn't give it much thought. God had just dropped it into my spirit. And I spoke to a young couple on the end of the row. And I said to them, it won't be long till you'll have that child you've been praying for. I kept on preaching. I didn't even notice that half the church blew up in a Holy Ghost spell and was shouting and dancing and doing their thing. I just kept on preaching the word of the Lord. 20 years later, I was standing at the Arkansas District Campground near the front of a pulpit. And before long, I saw a young couple walk down the aisle and here they were. I didn't recognize them. I didn't know their names. And right before they got to me, they said, Brother Massey, you don't remember the service in Lexington, Tennessee when you whirled around and told us we was going to have a child. You had no way of knowing that the doctor said it was humanly impossible. But I want to introduce you to this 19-year-old boy. He's the product of that prophecy. When I thought back on it, I thought, you know what? You better speak quickly. If I'd have thought about it long, I probably wouldn't have said it. If I'd known the story, I might not would have said it. But every now and then, God's going to drop something in your spirit. Speak it out. Say it out right now while I'm preaching. Some of you are going to get the courage to praise something like, well, in the next three years, this church will be paid off. Don't think about it long. Just pray it out loud. Quickly, often, and without reservation. Just say it. Just say it. Somebody shout, yes, Lord. I feel good about praying bold prayers before my flesh can talk me out of it. My tendency is not always to be polled. My tendency is not always to be aggressive. But I will say this. When God drops it in my spirit, I've learned this. Let it get out before it dies within me. The third thing, the third thing. I think I hit on something when I, when I spoke about this church being paid off in three years. <laughs> There's some of you live here every day, and you've done the math, and so you won't join me on it. But I just came in from out of town with a fresh little birth of faith and says, hey, I'll say it out loud. I won't be hindered by the press. I won't be backed up by the principal. I'll just say, here it is, God. The third thing, I only have two more, if you'll give me three minutes. Embrace the world, the word, and let go of the world. Embrace the word and let go of the world. At some point, you have to remember whose opinion really matters in your life. Does the fluctuating opinion of the world really carry that much weight in your life? Does the pressure from the coworkers at the office the plant or the job site really hold that much weight? Or would you rather hitch your wagon 
to the unchangeable word of God that has proven itself for generations. Sometimes you gotta forget about everybody else's opinion. See, an aggressive faith life will run you afoul over and over and again with a popular opinion of the moment because the tendency of our flesh is a reserved approach to God while the tendency of your supernatural faith burning inside you waiting to be let out is an aggressive grabbing of the things that God pronounces. We're having a wild service on one Sunday night in South Louisiana, and I got this crazy idea. There was probably five, 600 folks in the house that night, and I thought, hey, it's biblical spiritual time. It's the sixth time around. It's about to be the seventh day and the seventh time around. If we march one more time, there's no telling what we will see in this building. So I got the courage to say to the ushers, hey, boys, go throw all these doors in the building wide open. In just a minute, I whispered to them, I'm going to give the command, and the whole church is going to march outside. They looked at me like you're looking right now. Man, I didn't know there was that ignorant in South Louisiana. You said to yourself, they are, we were. They threw the door wide open. And so I said to them, the Lord has spoken to me. This is your final lap on the final day. If you have the courage to march around this building, back in that side door, when you get in that side door and walk in the threshold, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost will be in such an unprecedented measure that cancers are going to dry up, families are going to be healed, circumstances of finances will be revolutionized. We will have notable miracles from people who walk in that door. I said it under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And to my surprise, of the 500, 479 of them decided that was a good idea. And they started marching out the side door. I thought they'd make one lap and come in, but that wasn't good enough for them. They got to dancing in the parking lot. They got to shouting in the, out, out by the handicapped spaces. They began laying hands on cars and prophesying to one another. A Holy Ghost revival broke out in the parking lot. They were uh, praying people through. Oh, folks were talking in tongues and never talked in tongues before, before they could get back in the building. It was absolute pandemonium outside. After a while, the usher said, Pastor, you're going to have to get him back in here. So I went outside and yelled, come on, folks, let's bring it back in the house. Here they come. I thought they all had come in, but an usher got me. He said, Pastor, you've got to come deal with Thomas out here. I'm not Tom, Daniel, I'm sorry, Daniel. You're going to have to come deal with him. I said, what's he doing? I said, you just got to come see. I walked outside. Church is on a four lane just like this one is. And there Daniel was, pacing up and down the grass median of the four lane. When the car had come by, he said, in Jesus' name. I thought at best that don't look real sane. But I'm going to give him a few more cars and let's see how it works out. It came on by, in Jesus' name. I made my way over to him. I said, Dan, don't you think it'd be a good idea to come on inside? He said, I'm anointed right now, Pastor. He said, I got a vision. God's about to send his people like we've never seen before. 
I thought, well, have at it, old boy. I'm not going to talk about faith and then try to put a damp rag on top of your, your excitement. So just have your way. He stayed out there for another 35, 40 minutes prophesying every car that came by. But I'll tell you what happened. We got it on record. I got documents to prove what I'm about to tell you. In the next 12 months of that church's history, not counting Easter, not counting Christmas concert, not counting outreach events, but ordinary, regular, average services, for the next 12 months, one thousand first-time guests walk through the doors of that sanctuary. I had folks say, how'd you do it? What are y'all doing down there to get all those people riled up about coming to the house of God? I said, you don't really want to know. We got one crazy guy full of faith who decided, I don't care what they all think about me. I'm just going to prophesy. It's Sunday morning. We got to go get some meatloaf. So let me close with this last one. Woo. Somebody shout, Holy Ghost. <laughs> I tell you what, you ought to do right here before I go on. You ought to decide. There's about three people in your life. You ought to get in your mind and just say, In the name of Jesus, draw them to the house of God. That's what you got to do. We're at the moment. We're at the moment where we're not playing games. We're embracing the word of God, and we're letting go of the opinion of man. Don't worry about what anybody thinks about it. Just declare it to be so. <laughs> I close with this one. You have to develop a spiritual diet that feeds true passion. That means excluding some people and some things and some habits. Most folk, when you talk about radical passion, be aware. People will try to talk you out of it. They'll call it extreme. They'll call it radical. And you might be prone to be misunderstood. But somewhere... You gotta have a passion that supersedes the thoughts of your flesh. Now, I'm not talking about hype. I'm not talking about fast songs and wild moments where we rev it up. That has its place. I'm all for it. You start singing a fast song right now, I'm about to run. I just got it in me. I got enough of that old Mississippi small church stuff in there. I may put the whirly bird on you before I leave. I mean, I, I can huck a buck with the best of them. I can bang in the walls with the best of them. So, so don't try to rev it up on me. I'll get wild with you. Get that old shout beat going, man. I'm going I'm to get in it. I ain't playing. I'm here for it. I'm here for church. I'm here for something supernatural to happen. I'm here to press the envelope a little bit. I'm here to shove some. I'm here to break out just a little bit. I don't want to go back home without something happening in my life. Yeah, there go. there's some, somebody running and hollering right there. It won't take a minute. I can stir up with that. See, that's my kind of stuff. I can get on it, man. I can get on that stuff. You can shout Holy Ghost a little louder and I'll shout it loud with you. That's just the way it goes. Somebody shout, Holy Ghost. <laughs> but I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about a passion. 
that has to be dropped in your spirit by the presence of God. You can't work it up. You can't think enough positive thoughts to get it. It's just in the moment when the heavens open and God starts dropping passion. And you got to be one of those who says, here I am, God. Hold on, man. I want the real stuff. I want passion that burns red hot in me, that, that floods through my daily life. <laughs> I'm a close of this, and I, I had that same crowd on another Sunday night, and I got to preaching about the prayer meeting where the praying people were, pray, were, were praying Peter out of prison. And I got to preaching about him knocking on the door. But they were so locked up in the moment, they couldn't experience the miracle. They had a need, but they didn't have much faith. And so I, I told some guys, 10 of them, I got them together. And I said, fellas, I want you to go out in that hallway. And when I give the signal, I want you to beat on those doors like you're trying to get in. I should have coached them a little better. I should have built in some parameters. But I wasn't that smart. I had an outdoor, and I, I was preaching wide open. I gave the signal, and all of a sudden, they started pounding on those doors. Metal frame, just like those commercial doors. I thought the doors were going to come off of their hinges. They were just shaking. Finally, I told Usher, I said, get out there and open those doors before they tear them all up. We pay good money for those things. But I had told them, when you come walking through that door with your faith and your worship, you're going to unlock a move of God in this place. And ladies and gentlemen, when I tell you that when they came charging through that door with their hands high and hot tears rolling down their face, anointed men who weren't high on some hype, people that we've been praying for for weeks started raising their hands and talking in tongues in their seat, never received the Holy Ghost before. People lined up to the baptistry by the dozen. The service got so crazy that the altar call was about an hour and a half. I finally got hungry. I went on down to Denny's and got me a little special. And I came back. I had left about 200 people dancing in the altar. Musicians that prayed till their fingers got cramps. And I told them, just turn on a CD. They'll stop dancing. They ain't got enough Holy Ghost to dance with, mu with canned music. They turned it on, and they kept on trucking. I came back a couple hours after they had done been going an hour and a half. There's 130 or so of them still dancing and prophesying and shouting. Some of them shouted so long, danced, cried, and prayed, and laid hands on each other. They'd sit down for about 30 minutes to rest and get back up again. They started taking shifts. I don't know. I went on home. The last I heard was 2 a.m. in the morning. They were still rolling. Just passion. That's the kind I want. I want you to stand. Spiritual passion cannot be worked up. It must be deposited by the Holy Ghost.
Sometimes you sense that the heavens are open and God's dropping some passion in. I just got a little sense of that this morning. And if you're somebody who wants to be injected with spiritual passion, why don't you get out of your seat and come down around this front with me right here. <laughs> We're going to pray a prayer of unity. That's right. Now, if you got needs and you got pain and you need the Holy Ghost to put some things back together or heal your body or you got a family that's awry, come on. This ain't just a passion moment because when God drops passion, we're talking about a passion that changes the world, sweeps a region. We're talking about services you can't hardly shut down, altar calls you can't stop. Just lift your voice a little bit before we pray. Just open your, lift your hands with me right here. Just oh, say, God, prepare me to receive this. Prepare me to receive this. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. I hope this word has blessed you. If you are in the River Valley area and are looking for a church to attend, we would love for you to join us right here at TPC. Services are Sunday at 11 a.m. and Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. You can visit us at our website at www.tpcfortsmith.com and on Facebook at the Pentecostal Church Fort Smith. Here you will find any information you may need. Thank you and God bless.